The conflict of interest is actually a good document for the pharmacy owner. Um, everybody has to sign this document. Uh, it covers that you won't come, uh, all the different things that you won't commit. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, all you wonderful pharmacy people out there. Dr. Lisa Faust, and we are back with a, another episode of our compliance series. Um, this is something that we're going to be talking about, um, not only with our special guest today, Jeff Hedges, actually bringing in lots of different industry experts over the entirety of all of these compliance episodes, because there's so much happening in pharmacy that we want to make sure that you are not caught by surprise in any way, shape, or form. So today's topic is a little bit of an oldie but goodie, um, fraud, waste, and abuse. Uh, you would kind of think at this point that, uh, you know, we're all up on it. Uh, it's been out for a little while now. Um, you know, what, over a decade, I guess, I is a little while now. And, yeah, um, and so, but we want to make sure that you're up to date on all of those things out there, because um, I talk to a lot of new pharmacy owners, um, they're just getting into this, and they come from corporate, and they come, and they only kind of see what they have to do and as an employee, and they didn't realize all the stuff that kind of happened behind the scenes. So um, today, we're going to be reviewing fraud, waste and abuse requirements, and I've got the wonderful Jeff Hedges, who is the master of compliance when it comes to anything regulatory with pharmacy, compounding, DME, basically any line of service that you have in your pharmacy, he'll help you make sure that you stay compliant with it. So for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with RJ Hedges, Jeff, can you go ahead and give us just a kind of a brief overview of how you help pharmacies stay compliant? Okay, thank you, Lisa. We um, here at RJ Hedges Associates, uh, we start off with our, pro our proprietary software, um, and it is set up so that it makes it easy for the user, not, all, not necessarily the pharmacist, but down to the tech and the clerk. Our policies are written in plain English at the eighth grade level, so everybody can understand it. So, and even if you have a hard time understanding English, it if you can get through the eighth grade portion of it, you can understand these policies. So, uh, but HIP, fraud, waste, and abuse, it's been here. It's been tied to HIPAA. We'll talk about that later. But uh, it's an oldie, but uh, one that is used quite a bit, especially the false claims. So if they find anything wrong and they think it's nefarious, they will slap you with a charge of, um, of uh, false claims that's managed by the uh, uh, Department of Justice, and it's enforced by our favorite people in the world, pharmacy benefit managers. Yes, I've actually been a expert witness, I think I'm called, on a several cases where I've been on the phone with the DOJ, the FBI, HHS, Probably the CIA was on there too, but they just didn't announce themselves, you know. Um, but I've been on these, you know, phone calls with every alphabet soup and, you know, asking me questions as, you know, a third party expert person on all these different claims. And so you're absolutely right. It, it the, the DOJ does get involved um, if they think you're doing something nefarious. Um, now, those cases that I happen to be on, you know, the pharmacies were actually cleared, which is, you know, awesome. Good. Um, uh, but that doesn't obviously always happen. We, we hear the, uh, 
you know, big news stories of, you know, pharmacies getting shut down and those kinds of things. I, I haven't been involved in those ones. Uh, but I, so I think it's important to kind of review this because I think what happens is most people get a fraud, waste and abuse policy. You know, they sign up for some service along with their HIPAA. You know, it sits on a binder or in a file on a computer and it just kind of does there. And, you know, they train their employees. And I'm using air quotes for those of you who are just listening to the audio of, you know, check some boxes, do some checklists. And it's like, great, my employees are trained and it's all good. But behavior in the pharmacy doesn't really change. And so what happens is, is they think they're all compliant and then something happens like a pharmacy owner calling me saying, Hey, I just realized that my pharmacist was billing a bunch of prescriptions and not ordering it. You know, like that's a problem. So just, let's just kind of start off in the beginning of like fraud, waste and abuse, you know, who has to be trained? How should you train? And really, you know, what does it look like when a pharmacy actually like puts all of this stuff into practice in their pharmacy? Okay. Uh, well, we'll start off on how we got here. Um, back in the day when President George W. Bush was in office, his last uh, six months, Congress passed a bill for establishing the PBMs. And they also established requirements for fraud, waste, and abuse and HIPAA training. Um, President Bush vetoed it and Congress overrode it. So think about how long he's been out of office and how many people have been president since then. So we got that. Uh, they turned this over. They created the PBMs, and then they turned it over this enforcement over to them. So the first requirement is that, and it doesn't matter on this on these type of items, it's every industry in healthcare. Uh, for pharmacies, we have approximately, uh, I think it's 10 policies and procedures. Uh for fraud, waste, abuse, for training, for kickbacks, and a host of other items. So you have to have policies and procedures. They have to be correct. The new thing is a lot of states are now requiring those all your policies and procedures to actually have your pharmacy name listed on your policy and procedure. So blanket templates don't work anymore. So, and if you're getting a blank one and you have to type them in, that's a lot of work. So, <clears throat> but anyways, those 10 policies, they cover everything. Um, most, this is almost always common sense. So uh, the next item you have to look at, training. Training is a must. And I have been an expert witness and it's been on fraud, waste and abuse. And if their training was done and they were committing fraud, uh, they're toast. Uh, so the documentation means everything. Uh, it's, it can save your bacon, but it also can put you in jail if you, do, if you don't do it correctly. Uh, and these are serious charges. So, but anyways, you train them. Okay. Now you can train. If you listen, uh, a lot of times the PBMs will send out a notice that you will go and you need to go and, uh, do a training that CMS provides. That is such a high level training. Uh, that a, doc, a doctor or attorney or legal counselor, whoever, they're going to understand it. I even get confused on this stuff, but it's not relevant to what the pharmacy needs to do. So there is a carve out that if you use the uh, CMS training as your base, you can write your own, uh, uh, your own training program as long as you cover everything. Well, that's an hour single person login to do it. 
Well, ours takes about, I think, 12 minutes. And uh, folks can go into it. They can look at it as a group. Uh, there is, a, on our new system, there is our training module. Uh, if you do it that way, you ha still have to go in and log in, go through the assessment, go through the, uh, skip through the training and sign the, um, uh, complete the assessment at the end. So we're sending the, our trainings up for CE credits. So that's where we're at. But anyways, you have to have it. It has to be done every year. Now, back a couple months, uh, years ago, it used to be you had to have it done within a year. All the PBMs, they can't figure that if you trained in November, that was a 2022 uh, training. Well, you got to do it in 23. Well, I'm still under the year. Their mindset is 2022 is 2022 only. So we had to change some of our processes to accommodate that too. But anyways, uh, you just go through the training. It should not be hard. It should be uh, it should be understandable. It should be talking about what you should do, what your staff should do. Uh, so you should you're also required to have a poster up in a pharmacy about reporting fraud. There's also a requirement you have to have uh, CMS's number on a board for complaints. Uh, CMS, uh, State uh, Health Department of Health, and if you're accredited, their number. So yeah, those are the requirements. What I will comment on uh, that I've seen a, on, on a couple pharmacies um, is the pharmacy owner forgets themselves or forgets like their spouse that also mm -hmm. owns the pharmacy and like comes into the pharmacy and they do all the training for their employees, but they forgot to add themselves as an employee or that, you know, like they forgot their partners or, or their, their spouses. So um, that's really important that I've, I've noticed that. And then exactly what you just said about the posters, they don't post up the, the posters, um, you know, you almost need to have a wall in your pharmacy dedicated to legal posters uh, because there's, you know, you got all your state requirements, maybe county requirements, workers' comp requirements, your CMS requirements. Your, there's a lot of requirements for like displaying a poster. So make sure you have some area in your pharmacy that is dedicated to that. Even if it's like a side of a drug, you know, bay or something like you've got to have the stuff posted. So um, those are just my two comments on that right mm -hmm. there. It's a, the kind of the deficiencies that I see um, either when visiting a pharmacy or, or chatting with the pharmacy owner. Right. So some of those posters are behind the counter for the employees. Some of the posters are out in front, front. so the yep. staff can see, like your notice of privacy practice, your hotline notice, all these different things. So you got to look at which, which way it's supposed to go. So if it's for the patients, it has to be out front and displayed. So. Yeah, and stick those in frames and make them look really nice and professional. Don't just like put a haphazard piece of tape and it's like half hanging off the wall. I mean, I have literally seen that in pharmacies. Like it just looks terrible and it just gives an impression that probably is not reflective of the pharmacy, but it, it's, it gives a certain impression. So don't, don't do that. Put them in a frame, go down to, you know, whatever your local store is and just buy a cheapy, cheapy frame. So, um, that, that's my recommendation. Um, moving into conflict of interest, um, that's that's one that I know that you wanted to chat about. So tell us a little bit about the conflict of interest. The conflict of interest is actually a good document for the pharmacy owner. Um, everybody has to sign this document. Uh, it covers that you won't com uh, all the different things that you won't commit. Uh, and it lays it out fairly simple. Um, it's binding. Actually, that document is what gets you put in jail if you're violating it. 
So if an employee doesn't want to sign it, they have two choices at that point. They can resign or sign the document. It doesn't matter if they're lead pharmacist or whatever. You can't afford the fine. Okay. Also on ours, we put in a, uh, a long time ago, we put an extra one in there. And we put in there that they are not allowed to work at another pharmacy without the consent of ownership. Because we saw early on that uh, someone was getting ready to leave, they would work at the pharmacy down the street. And at that point, they're getting set up. They're also getting information to take to the other pharmacy about your patients, which is a massive HIPAA violation if they can prove that you actually documented it. So, uh, but it's a good document. It needs to be done every calendar year, no matter what. That bot, that document is not publicly displayed. It, uh, we recommend it. We have a compliance binders that have the required documents that have to be printed. We put one in there and we put the original in their personnel folder. Um, it works. Um, and just go through that process. Uh, and uh, we've had, when I've been a, a witness on certain things, they will actually pull that document and see, they want to see the training document, they want to see the conflict of interest document. So got to have it. The fine if you don't have them, it's also severe. So you don't want to have anything happen there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what most um, employees or, or compliance security officers are kind of familiar with is the OIG list, uh, you know, making sure you you don't have anybody on the exclusion list. Um, I know they, they probably focus that on when hiring and they probably check some boxes, maybe if they have a program that like does some automatic checks or whatnot. But give us kind of an update on OIG and all, all the different exclusion lists that a pharmacy owner needs to make sure that they're not employing anybody on. Okay. There are two main ones on the federal level. Uh, the OIG, which is the Office of Inspector General uh, at Health and Human Services. And the other one is um, the SAM, Systems Awards Management. That's federal employers, uh, are, are federal contractors who do bad things and they get put on that. Um, so anyway, you have to do this every month. You can't miss a month because the PBMs will come in and they'll specify a month and you have to show them your report. So, uh, so you got to make sure to do it. We tell our clients to do it on the first of the month on our task list. So every month, all it. Now, storage, you can, uh, we always recommend keeping the hard copy on file for one year, but every year complete it so it goes into uh, into an electronic folder so you can always go back. Our system, the way it works is, is that when you hit the save, it automatically puts the pharmacy name and the date right in the file name. So you don't even have to do it. Just go to the correct file and download it and it's done. But these are checked. Uh, so go through that. Now, states have... Uh, uh, exclusion lists as well. And under the law, you're supposed to go through the state requirements. The problem is there's 54 of them, continent uh, possessions. They're all different formats. And the question is, is like, uh, like on exclusion list, you get a report back that there's no one on it. But on the state list, there's none. Uh, so you have to figure out, okay, I have no one on there. So how do you report that? 
So because they don't give you anything other than a list of people on an exclusion list. Uh, when I worked on a project at NCPDP, uh, the PBMs didn't understand this. And I gave them five states. I said, go look at these five states. Tell me how we as a pharmacies can report these uh, the information when no one's on it. They couldn't figure it out. They actually never even looked at the state requirement before. So um, some states still don't have them. If you don't have one and you have to uh, upload that to NCPDP, uh, then just use the regular OIG SAM verification. But you got to make sure you keep them. Uh, the audit, because what happens is if the audit goes in and you don't have that uh, report for that particular month, they have the power, the PBMs, to pull all your reimbursements for the entire month and actually back to the month before when the date was trained. So you can possibly use seven weeks of reimbursements, which is going to put you out of business. So, uh, but it is I, serious. Yeah, I think it would put most people out of business. And that's not even talking about like the penalties. I mean, that's almost, that's, the, that's like a consequence of, you know, obviously failing that. But there's also penalties um, for violating HIPAA, violating these different kinds of things um, that that don't get down even to like losing the reimbursement. I think that's um, you know that's draconian, obviously. Um, but what are what are the penalties? Like what are looking for who and who's looking at these? You know the PBMs and the testations. They're looking at this, but, you know, is the state board looking at these kinds of things? Is it other regulatory agencies? You know, who all is looking at to make sure that the pharmacies are compliant in this area of fraud, waste, and abuse? This is 100% the PBMs. This came from that law that we talked about earlier about uh, those um, overrode from the veto back in President uh, Bush's day. Uh, gave total authority to them. They're the only ones looking at it. Uh, and when they walk in and do audits, they'll give you a uh, a month, and you got to pull it because if you don't have it, you never did it. So, also, don't assume that your employees you know what's happening in their lives. We had a pharmacy, a pharmacy up in Ohio. It was a larger pharmacy, and everything's going fine. One and then one month, the name popped up, and uh, our instructions is you call in. And we tried to clear it. It wasn't. person actually had a felony conviction that the employer know, didn't know anything about. So when that happens, when it comes up, that person is leaving the building immediately. If you are, if you maintain someone, even a driver who is there two days, three days a week uh, making deliveries, if they're on the exclusion list, what PBM has the authority to do is to go look at the payroll to see what days that individual is on at work, and they pull 100% of all state and federal reimbursements out. And there, there's no negotiation. There's no discussion about it. They just do it. So, yep. I mean, that penalty is huge. Now, what about for contractors? Um, you know, because some pharmacies use contract labor, a PRN pharmacist, something like that, where they're not an employee um, or they hire a janitor company or something like that. So how far does a pharmacy need to go in terms of 
you know, checking for people um, that do work in the pharmacy in some capacities, you know, window cleaner, PRN pharmacist, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, you mentioned delivery driver, maybe, you know, they contracted the service to do deliveries. So talk a little bit about that. Everybody who touches protected health information needs to have uh, beyond the OIG list. So if their employees are automatically there, all employees. If you have a PRN pharmacist, that should uh, that person should be a 1099 employee. Uh, anybody else that's working in there, whether it's delivery drivers, uh, they should be on, on your OIG list. Also, your businesses that you work with, any business that has a, um, that receives or uses your PHI should have a business associate agreement and they should be on the OIG list. They do, that's where the SAM system comes in. It checks on the business side. They do happen. So anybody else, if they're just walking in, the repair, uh, the phone repair guy, the computer repair guy, they're coming in to fix a computer, they're not working with anything. Naturally, you're going to pull all the PHI off uh, from where they're working. They don't need anything. It's just a, a visitor log. They come in, they sign it, uh, they're there, and then they sign out and they're gone. Uh, but pretty much anything. I mean, uh, sales reps, uh, anybody that's coming in, well, first off, they shouldn't be coming behind the counter with a business without a business associate agreement. So, um, but the penalties are hard and they're harsh. So uh, you got to make sure. I mean, if you get someone who is on the OIG and you're not checking, uh, they will pull the money back. A hundred percent of all reimbursements to the pharmacy, no matter who the payer is, from the date that they are there to the date of the last run of the um, last OIG. So if it's, that's all, that could be seven weeks if you just missed one. And that's horrible. We've had a, a client up in Ohio and they have large pharmacy, bunch of uh, hundreds of employees. And one of their employees was fine. And then all of a sudden they popped up. So they called us, which was our process. We verified everything. And sure enough, the person had a felony conviction. So at that point, you only have one option. That person must be terminated from your employment and walked out of the building immediately. They did find out that she hid the conviction or the trial and she was convicted and in her, um, and the ruling she was placed on the OIG list. These penalties are severe. They will almost always put a pharmacy out of business. And these things are not just for pharmacies. I mean, the doctors are supposed to be doing this, the hospitals, everybody's supposed to be doing that. So hope that helps. Um, also, I mean, look at who's providing your services. Are you getting a monthly report from them? I know we're the only ones to actually provide a report right to you at the time of running it. But uh, how do you get a report if you don't have it? And some of them are actually asking for all your employees' uh, full name, birth date, and social security number. Why would you give all that information out to a contractor uh, or a vendor? Uh, and when you're going through the exclusion process, you don't need a birth, uh, date of birth. You only need a social security number. So always question when you're giving any of this information out to anybody. Um, 
And it's okay to ask questions and see what their response are. If you're comfortable with the response, great, no problem. If you're not, uh, they might want to uh, check some things out. Now, we do have our uh, fraud, waste, and abuse program available on our program uh, on our portal, or on our website rather. Uh, and you actually can order our fraud, waste, and abuse program via uh, the website. You go in, fill out a couple of questions on the order form. Um, the program is $500 for the first year and $130 for every year thereafter. So it's very affordable and it gives you everything you need. Plus you have access to our staff. So to reach us, contact us either through our website, www.rjhedges.com or email us at sales at rjhedges.com. Or you can always call us at 724-357-8380. So thank you, Lisa, for everything you're doing. You're doing a great job down there. Uh, love the way you have diversified RX set up. You are a badass. Keep it up. And uh, thank you, everyone. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.